Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Petco Park in San Diego. It's the Cleveland Guardians 3, the San Diego Padres 1. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. Now, I'm always honest with you morning people. I'm always honest. How far did you make it with a West Coast game, right? A 940 start, they helped us out a little bit. A little bit by starting the game at 6.40 local time. I made it to the seventh inning stretch. I couldn't keep my eyes open any longer than that. Uh, I'm wondering, morning people, did you make it? Did you make it all the way to the end of the game? I know some of you listen from uh, all around the world. So uh, some of our European listeners, this was probably the middle of the night for you. I doubt you made it. Um, I'm actually wondering if you woke up and caught any of it while you were having your breakfast, maybe. So, uh, yeah. I made it to the seventh inning stretch. We've got a couple of games against Seattle that are 10-10 starts, but those are Friday and Saturday nights, so we'll see if I can make it to the end of those games. Uh, Maybe we'll do some uh, Cleveland baseball nightlies for those games, but I made it to the seventh inning stretch and woke up. Well, actually, I woke up in the middle of the night because the baby was kicking and uh, woke me up on the baby monitor, and I got to check my phone and saw we pulled out the 3-1 to victory. So it's always a fun little surprise in the morning. It used to be, God, I remember the days where you literally waited till you got the morning paper, and you flipped that sports section really quick and went, ah, they won. Um, Yeah, I remember those days. I remember the days of reading the box scores in the newspaper and stuff like that. Whatever Hoynes wrote in his article, that was my... Because you know, Sports Center wasn't going to give us more than twenty seconds of coverage. So uh, Hoynes's article in the Plain Dealer that day was my coverage of the game. So we've come a long way. Uh, one thing that still needs to catch up with modern times is I know I'm totally off topic here. Normally we dive into the game, but I got to get this off my chest. The Bally Sports app is garbage right now. I mean, I don't know how many of you. I know everybody has to find a creative way to watch the game right now. I know a lot of your streaming services and other things don't carry Bally Sports, and so you got to get creative. Honestly, in this in this world we live in today, you have to find someone to trade with. You have to find a friend, uh, maybe an older person like my father, who still pays for cable, still pays for Spectrum. And just gives me his login information so that I can log in on the Bally Sports app. You have to barter. Another buddy gives me his Netflix. I gave him my Peacock so they can watch the game. I gave my whole family my Peacock login so everybody can watch the game. It's the barter system. You got to do it if you want to be one of these cord cutters. Um, It's easy. Simple. Just share those passwords around. Um, But yeah, the Bally Sports app, it's just, it was locking up like crazy. It does this. It just locks up. Middle of a play, middle of the game, just dead frozen. You got to exit back out, come back in, sit through the two ads, and then you get back in the game and hope you didn't miss anything. And last night, it was like stuttering. It was skipping things and then jumping ahead. And it was just literally unwatchable. And it's, they want to have a streaming service. They now have come up with a plan where for $19.99 a month or something like that, 20 bucks a month, you can pay for Bally Sports streaming or Bally Sports Plus or whatever they want to call it to watch Guardians, just your local teams, by the way. I believe it's just your local teams. Just Guardians, Cavs, and uh, uh, the Cleveland Monsters hockey or Columbus Blue Jackets hockey. I think that's it. 
That's it. Three Ohio teams. That's it. That's all you're getting for 20 bucks a month. And their app is garbage. Like, for that much money, give me a good, solid, rock-solid app. That thing better perform. Luckily, this game was the free MLB TV game of the day on the MLB app. And uh, so I was able to watch it there. It was fine. Rock solid. Didn't skip. Didn't, you know, lock up. Was able to watch the game. But yeah, I mean, Bally Sports, get your act together. Come on. It's not that hard in the year 2022 to have an app to stream TV. My U- the YouTube TV app works just fine. Borrow my brother's login for that. That one works just fine. But come on. Get your act together. You have one job. One job to broadcast the game. Get your act together, Bally Sports. All right. The other thing, the other thing you may have noticed before this game started is that Nolan Jones got sent down and uh, Richie Palacios got called back up. It's been a few, this happened a few days ago, but it's been a few days since we talked. Uh, the rain out and the day off, I, it's not, it's weird to go two days in the summer without talking to my morning people. So, uh, yeah, Jones goes down and it's the excuse you've heard over and over again. He needs to play every day. He wasn't playing every day up here. His swing got out of rhythm. He already had his first game back in Columbus. He DH'd and had a a three-run home run. That's right. Four RBIs, a three-run home run. Um, So, yeah, he's going to play and be in the lineup every day in Columbus. And they're in what's encouraging is they are said they're in win-now mode. It is no longer about getting guys opportunities and at-bats and seeing players. This is a win-now situation. So the best lineups should be in there all the time. My one question is, they didn't say what position he's going to be playing every day. Remember, they got George Valera now in right field down there in Columbus. So is he splitting time with Valera in right field and DH? Or, or will Nolan Jones finally get the opportunity to really try to be a legit first baseman. Right? He is he as much as we talk about it, he hasn't actually played that much in the minors. So are they sending him down to play a ton of first base? Because I could see that happening. I can see a team next year with Nolan Jones starting at first base and uh Naylor starting at DH and being a full-time DH pretty much. There's a world where that works. but So he's, his first game back, they got rained out, and then uh, his first game yesterday, he DH. So we'll see. We will keep an eye on it and see how many games he plays at first base. I don't know how they work him in a right field with George Valera there. I mean, honestly, do they call him Valera? You don't have room for Valera up here because Oscar Gonzalez has been fantastic for the month of August. Oscar Gonzalez has ex- defied all expectations. Remember, this is a guy that kind of got his like minor league free agency. They had to let him go and then re-sign him. Any team could have had Oscar Gonzalez, and he came back to Cleveland. So, yeah, Gonzalez is not necessarily a guy that they've always been high on. But he just hits everywhere he goes. You can't deny it. The dude has so much strength and so much power, and he does it in this game. So let's let Oscar Gonzalez pull us back into this game. Because this is not the Guardians' recipe for success. The top storyline in this game is that they basically win this thing on solo home runs. They take a 2-0 lead, a lead that would have held up. They do add an insurance run in the eighth inning. But a lead that would have held up and won the game on solo home runs. And that's 
That's not the identity of this team. Yes, they can hit a home run every now and then, but you go to the MLB team hitting stats, and it's pretty simple. The Guardians are second to last when it comes to home runs with 96. I thought the Padres would be higher. They're actually 23rd in baseball with 110. What's interesting is the American League Central just doesn't hit home runs, aside from the Minnesota Twins. They're 10th with 144. But your bottom five of your bottom, uh, four of your bottom five teams all come from the American League Central. Detroit Tigers are last with 72 home runs. Then the Guardians with 96. The Nationals sneak in there with 103. But tied with them is the Kansas City Royals and the Chicago White Sox at 103. So four of the bottom five teams in all of baseball, when it comes to hitting home runs, come from the American League Central. Now, uh, Guardians do a little better if you just look at overall slugging percentage. They jump up to 19th in baseball at 385 slugging. Uh, San Diego is actually worse than us. They're a 378 slugging team. You would think the San Diego Padres, with everybody they've put together, Machado and Soto and Tatis isn't playing because of the suspension um, and the injuries, but everybody they put together out there in San Diego, you thought this was a power lineup. Well, it turns out the Guardians actually slug better than the Padres do. So that's how they do it on this game. They get Clevenger, who didn't give up much in this game. He goes six innings, gives up only two hits, only two runs, only one walk, four strikeouts. That's actually low. But the two hits were two solo home runs. That's kind of unbelievable. That's not how the Guardians do things. Uh, 91 pitches. He's hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. So uh, the two solo home runs, uh, one comes in the uh, second inning. One comes in the fifth inning. In the second inning, it's with two outs. He faces Oscar Gonzalez, and it is just a first pitch spinner. It's a first pitch slider, a little bit off the center of the plate, a little bit below the belt, but absolutely something that the big man Oscar Gonzalez can get the bat out and reach that pitch. If you want to throw him a slider, you better put it out of the strike zone because he can reach that pitch. And he pulls it into left field, a line drive screamer at 103.3 mile per hour exit velocity, 375 over the wall in left field there. And uh, yeah, it's a screamer. In Cleveland, it would have been a double off the wall, but in San Diego, they've got the low wall in left field, and it goes out for a home run. We've talked about that before, right? Gonzalez tends to hit balls off that left field wall in Cleveland, uh, but in a, on an away park, it goes for a home run, and it gets a scoring right away. All right, second inning. We've got to Clevenger now. We're up one Uh First pitch damage. That's that's. A good approach by Oscar Gonzalez. Man, if they try to spin one on you like that, if he throws a slider that doesn't move very far, you go ahead and you hammer that thing. Then in the um, fifth inning, it'd be a leadoff home run this time. Andres Jimenez leading off the fifth inning. He's going to take a four-seam fastball, which was a decent pitch for Clevenger on the day. I believe three of his four strikeouts all come via fastballs that just kind of blow guys away, Uh, but not this one. So he starts him off with two sliders that he misses for a ball, comes in with a two-seamer sinker that he fouls off right down the middle of the plate, uh, comes inside with a four-seam fastball that he fouls off, and then comes right back with a four-seam fastball. This one leaks out over the middle of the plate. Frankly, the sinker 
the fastball, and then the fastball he hits, pitches three, four, and five, are all at the same height. He doesn't change his eye level at all. They're all just above the belt, right at the belly. The two four-seam fastballs, that fifth one is actually a little bit harder. It was two miles per hour faster, but it creeps back over the middle plate. He had just thrown him a fastball that he fouled off, basically two, in the same location. The one he fouls off is in off the plate, just on the black of the plate. This one comes back into the middle of the plate, and he hammers this thing 106.1 miles per hour, a beautiful arcing home run, 31-degree launch angle, 396 down the line in right field, keeps it fair, jumps all over this fastball, and it's a beautiful home run from Andres Jimenez. I went and looked against right-handed pitching, Maybe not a spot where he hits a lot of home runs, but definitely a spot where he slugs. Uh, He only has one home run. Again, I don't know if these zones update that quickly. So one, maybe two home runs from middle in off of a right-handed pitcher. But he does have a, a couple of doubles from that spot. Does have a couple of hits, seven hits from that spot. He slugs 923 from middle in. And that's basically where this pitch was. So definitely a spot that he absolutely hammers. So yeah, he got a fastball. And uh, Clevenger, I mean, that's just bad pitch sequencing right there. Throwing him three fastballs basically in the same location, at the same eye level. Just You're begging him to hammer one of these if you keep showing him it over and over again. So that's how the two solo home runs come off of Clevenger. Uh, who is battling against Aaron Savali in this one. Savali also pretty good, but just doesn't last very long, like works, uh, you know, deep in accounts and just uh, only lasts four and two-thirds innings. Can't get out of the fifth inning, so technically he doesn't even get the win on the day. Sandlin, who comes up and cleans up that fifth inning, gets the win on the day. Uh, so he goes four and two-thirds, gives up only four hits, one earned run on... Uh, Frankly, just some good bat bip from the uh, Padres in the fifth inning. Uh, does give up two walks, but they don't hurt him. Uh, and four strikeouts on the day for him. Uh, he was hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. Now, Safali, the storyline with him is that he was definitely gifted a wide strike zone on the day. Uh, if we go over to the illustrator here and we go over to uh, called strikes. And we'll see there are at least five called strikes on pitches that were out of the zone. Out of the zone. Machado got a fastball uh, to the glove side for Savali. Up and away to the glove side in the first inning that was called a strike. He got another one later in the game, a two-seamer that he was not happy about. Uh, He got two on a 3-1 count. He thought he walked, but it's a called strike. Um, Machado got three off the plate there. Uh, the fastball, and then in the fifth inning, uh, he gets another one. He gets another sinker off the plate. So two sinkers off the plate and a fastball that he has to deal with for called strikes. Uh, Will Myers takes a, a first-pitch cutter off the plate for a strike. And then the one that really caused problems was the curveball to Brandon Drury. It's a called strike three in the fourth inning. Drury was pissed about it, and he has every right to be because this pitch is way off the plate. Drury immediately has a reaction, gets in the umpire's face, and gets tossed from the game. But frankly, he had every right to be pissed. I mean, 
this pitch is way off the plate. There's no business. I like I like a what you know, I like our pitchers getting calls, but there is no this umpire had no business calling this strike three. This is way off the plate. Even hedges had the reaction of, well, we just walked a guy. And then suddenly called strike three. Uh so yeah. Jury gets run from the game. Uh, Pitching Ninja even made a nice joke on Twitter where he drew an extra strike zone outside of the strike zone for this pitch, for this call. Um, yeah, the that's where Savali was getting him. He was getting him all night on that glove side. Now, the interesting thing is that Clevenger was getting called strikes on his arm side the whole night. He has three fastballs that are called strikes that are basically in. One was uh, off the plate to Jose Ramirez. Uh, one was off the plate to Stephen Kwan, and one was into Ahmed Rosario. So he was getting called strikes on the other side of the plate. So yeah, a wide strike zone last night, and Brandon Drury is the victim who's finally rung up for a called strike three and uh, not happy about it. So he gets run from the game, uh, but Savali does, I mean, a really good job of limiting damage. Nothing on here. Now they did say... He was going to try to limit his pitches and concentrate on some certain pitches. And he does. He kind of limits things to the sinker, the two-seamer, the cutter, and the curveball. And the sinker had a ton of movement. Um, I'm not even worried about the velocity. I think the horizontal break is what's interesting on that sinker. He actually was up over two inches of break above his yearly average. He averages 12 inches of run on that two-seam sinker. Yesterday, he averaged 14. He maxed out at 17 inches of horizontal break. That pitch was moving yesterday. Absolutely moving. Uh, so that's good stuff right there from Aaron Savali. Now, does not get a lot of whiffs. Only a 21% whiff rate, six whiffs on 29 swings. Uh, but he does get a lot of called strikes on that sinker, that two-seamer, and that cutter. Nine called strikes each. So it's decent CSW numbers across the board. It's a 28% CSW, boasted a lot by called strikes. 21 called strikes, only six whiffs. So it doesn't add up to a lot of strikeouts, but he does a good job of uh, keeping them off balance, uh, being aggressive with that two-seamer and that cutter. Let's see how he did. Uh, let's go over to the count breakdown. Uh, yeah, I would say he's definitely working ahead. Uh, only six batters start 1-0 of the, how many did he face? 18 batters he faced. So 12 batters uh, starting, two-thirds of the batters, he starts with a first pitch strike. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Only uh, only four guys make it to 2-0. Nobody makes it to 3-0. He jumps back into the count. He was working ahead of most batters. So that's good stuff from Aaron Savali. It's not a deep start. We knew he wasn't going to strike out double-digit Padres like he did the Tigers, right? The Tigers had one of the worst offenses in all of baseball. Uh, it was not going to be as good as it was against the Tigers, but it's still a pretty it was solid start. Like, if he made it through that fifth inning, ugh, it would have been nice um, to see him get through that and get the win in this one. On the other side of things, Clevenger, not really much better. Like I said, he wasn't striking out many. He only has a 16% whiff rate, seven whiffs on 44 swings. My God, we were being aggressive against him. Uh, add in 14 called strikes. It's a 23% CSW on the day. Uh, his, Like I said, his four-seam fastball got him most of the strikeouts, but it also got hammered for a home run. So uh, the Guardians are able to add on an insurance run in that eighth inning. 
They put together a little two-out rally with a Quan walk. Walk. Ahaha. Walks come back to pay. Uh, Ahmed Rosario with an infield single. And then Jose Ramirez give him an RBI situation. Now, I know he was up earlier in the game with uh, Ahmed Rosario on second base, and he ends up flying out. But in this situation, he, uh, and I believe Ahmed Rosario was on second base because Clevenger uh, threw wildly to first base to try to pick him off. He actually did that twice on the day. He did that to Oscar Gonzalez, too. Twice, Ahmed, uh, Clevenger threw wildly to try to pick someone off at first base, and neither time we were able to make him pay for it. But this time, in the eighth inning, we're able to get to their bullpen. We make him pay for the walk. Jose Ramirez put him in an RBI situation. Chances are he's going to come through. He hits his 100th RBI on the season, 110.1 miles per hour, right back up the middle. It's the hardest hit ball on the day. Shoots it through the infield, into center field, and brings Quan around the score. Now, they do throw in Ahmed Rosario being aggressive on the base pass again. Maybe Ahmed Rosario needs to take a break being aggressive on the base pass because this is the second time he's been thrown out in two games. He's thrown out at third base, but Quan is able to score before the, he makes that last out at third base. So the rally ends there, but Quan does come in to score, which is the important thing. It makes it a 3-1 to one lead and sets our bullpen up to finish the game. Now, the bullpen. My God, the bullpen. And uh, sorry for popping the mic right there, but they were fantastic in this game. Sandlin comes in, gives you an inning and a third of shutdown baseball, two strikeouts, no hits, no runs, no walks. Sandlin was fantastic coming in in relief of Savali, especially getting out of that fifth inning with a strikeout. Just nasty stuff from Sandlin. Karinchek gives you an inning that gets a little messy, does give up a walk, does give up a hit, gets two strikeouts, and one of them is on a full count bunt attempt, which was a really weird play. I mean, there are some Padres hitters that are just in their heads right now. Stefan does, again, gets a little messy with a walk and a hit, but he has three strikeouts on the game uh, in that inning, in that eighth inning. So a good job of setting things up in that eighth inning from Stefan with three strikeouts all on the splitter, by the way, and then Emmanuel Classe and shuts the door in the ninth inning, a classic Classe inning, only 10 pitches to shut the door, uh, gets two strikeouts, what was the other out, I'm guessing ground out, you betcha, it was a ground out to jerks in Profar, so a great job by the bullpen, I mean, the Guardians bullpen was just locked in on this thing, Sandlin's Slider was unhittable. Five whiffs on seven swings, a 71% whiff rate on that pitch. Uh, for Karinchek, it was called strikes. Uh, in fact, that, that strikeout, his second strikeout, was a called strike looking on a fastball, frankly, right down the pipe. Uh, so, yeah, the curveball had three called strikes. The fastball had two called strikes. So that's how Karinchek was getting it done. The uh, breaking stuff for Stefan was almost unhittable. Uh, 50% whiff rate on the slider, 50% whiff rate on the splitter. That's nasty stuff. The splitter literally was unhittable. They fouled off three of them. Uh, and then for Emmanuel Classe, it was called strikes on the cutter. Uh, they fouled off a bunch, and then he popped a few called strikes on that cutter and then gets a whiff on the slider. So, yeah, the Guardians bullpen just dominant. Just, I mean, shut the door. Uh, you know, a game where they probably had to work a little deeper than uh, Francona envisioned them having to work. You don't think your starter is going to 
run out of pitches basically after four and two-thirds innings. You'd like to see them get a little deeper in the game, but they make it work. They handle four and a third inning this bullpen of absolute shutout baseball. So it's a really solid win. It's not a typical Guardians win in any fashion. I mean, they really don't put a rally together until two outs in that eighth inning. And this is a team that lives and dies by the rally, by putting balls in play. And they just did not have the bat-bip luck on the night. They just didn't, uh, you know, it just wasn't there. The rallies weren't there, but the solo home runs get it done. And the Padres have a very quiet night on offense. Uh, they can't get anything going. They have a chance for some rallies late in the game in the seventh and the eighth inning. They have a chance for rallies, and they can't get anything across the plate. Uh, yeah, Josh Bell with a one-out walk in the eighth, a two-out single by Kim, and then Grisham strikes out. Uh, in the seventh inning, uh, they had a one-out back-to-back single and walk to have two runners on off Karinchek, and uh, Cronenworth strikes out looking on that fastball, and then Machado pops out to end things. So the Padres have their chances, and the Guardians hang on to win. A solid win to start this West Coast trip. Man, they've actually done really well against the NL West. I mean, yeah, they have a chance now to win this series. Again, with that rain out, uh, rain out against the White Sox, they still have not lost a series, and they will continue now with this two-game Padres set. They have not lost a series since the All-Star break, and now their lead in the American League Central has actually expanded uh, by not playing for two days. They went from a one-game lead over Minnesota out to a three-game lead over Minnesota right now and a four-game lead over the White Sox, who are both on little losing streaks. Uh, Minnesota's dropped four in a row. So, uh, yeah, once they stopped playing the Kansas City Royals, things got a little tougher for the Minnesota Twins. So, yeah, the Guardians are out to a nice lead in the American League Central right now. I mean, you got to feel pretty good about things. you got to feel pretty good about this. Uh, West Coast trips are always tough, but to start it off with a win, to have a nice three-game cushion in the American League Central, you got to be riding high right now as a Guardians fan. This is fun. This is fun stuff. I don't care that this team arrived before they were expected to. I know a lot of you morning people are like me, and you go into every season expecting to compete, uh, expecting to try to make the playoffs. And now this team is in playoff mode. This team is in let's get to the playoff mode. And uh, if the pitching stays this rock solid and the offense continues to do score in the ways they continue to score, uh, I think this is going to be a really fun sprint to the end of the season. So that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Oh, one more thing. I almost missed the defensive play. You know it's hard for us to call out defensive plays. They don't uh, you know, show up in the box score anywhere. But Andres Jimenez with a great diving stop in the first inning. Uh, a great job by him in the first inning. Josh Bell would hit one 107.9 mile per hour exit velocity. It had a 460 expected batting average. But uh, he's able to get it diving to his left. He's able to snag it in shallow right field there, and throw out Josh Bell. So a fantastic defensive play uh, from Andres Jimenez. There may have been others throughout the game, but that's the one that definitely popped up on the highlights. Uh, so we got to give Andres Jimenez some love for that great defensive play. And you know what? You know what? Let's do it. MVP on the day goes to Andres Jimenez. Uh, it would have been, it's the winning run, his home run. It's a great at-bat from Andres Jimenez. And then the good defensive play, 
I mean, other than Andres Jimenez, I'd be giving it to the entire bullpen, basically. So uh, Andres Jimenez is going to walk away for a great defensive play and the go-ahead home run. He's going to get MVP on the day. All right, that's all my thoughts. Again, thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from San Diego. It's your Guardians 3, the Padres 1. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Ferris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. It's been a while since I've heard from some of you. If you've never emailed in before, I'd love some new emailers. Um, so go ahead, hit me up, clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. I know you're not just listening to this without opinions. I know you got some opinions out there, morning people, so let me hear them. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.